Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a BMW M440i Special Edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. Okay then, Alan. Yes. So, is it is it just an M440i? It's an M440i X-Drive. Well, it's actually, it's not, it's worse than that. It's a BMW M440i X-Drive Coupe. Ah, okay. As opposed to Cabriolet or Convertible. <laughs> or however you're going to say it in a silly way. No, there is also a convertible, no doubt, a Grand Coupe, who will probably appear at, at some point, which will, of course, be a five-door hatch based on the two-door saloon, based on the four-door saloon, mm-hmm. and other things that rhyme. <laughs> the M440i X-Drive. It is the top-of-the-range petrol BMW. I only say that because there is a an M440d, which is... A little bit more expensive, but about the same amounts of power. And There's a little less power, but a little more torques. But we'll come to sort of some of those numbers in, in a minute, I guess. Now, this is the new look BMWs, This is it? Yes, right. Yes. Well, well, yeah, I was coming to that when we got to the exterior. Should we, should we get this out of the way? I don't really want to talk about the great big pointy teeth. Um, so the one I had, the challenge with this is that there's a number of colours. There's all these things. Basically, all the things that you would normally choose, unless you go for some crazy BMW individual color, are are all included in the price. So the one I had was black sapphire, and the interior was Takora red with decor stitching Vanaska leather. Oh. It was red inside. It was red. It was black on the outside. It was red on the outside. Now, the thing is, it was really black on the outside because it also had the Shadowline Plus pack. Uh, And we seem to have sort of from here into the exterior but now but i'll hang on just i'll just say shadowline plus pack which gave us black wheels black mirror caps and a bmw individual high gloss shadow line with extended contents uh so it was black around the grill as well mm-hmm. and black around the windows and basically anywhere on the outside where it wasn't necessarily a tail light or a headlight was generally black yes the thing about the black well, no, we'll talk about this. Uh, I don't know what order to do this in because it's all so connected. The thing about the blackness. So, well, well, we all know that this is highly, highly uh, controversial as a piece of styling. <laughs> yes. The thing about the blackness is the black hides all of that. It is very difficult to see what it's what it's like as as a vehicle. It hides a lot of the individual elements right yet you get to see some more of the general shape which you may not have noticed as much because you've sort of gone oh (laughs) a lot yeah 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 Yeah. it was very difficult to take photos of and stuff because it is just this sort of light suck (laughs) what's what's that color that's that's the the most light absorbent thing vanta black yes it was almost because I saw some of the pictures that you did manage to take of it, and it and as you say, everything else looks like it's in super high def in comparison yeah. to this well, it was car. A, it was generally a lovely sunny week, so you go out, you try and take a picture, and you just have this this silhouette and some you know everything else around about looked lovely. Very difficult to take pictures of. Yeah, I mean, but let's finish off on the exterior, shall we? So, yes, I mean, there's lots of details which car nerds and car ultra nerds will take issue with. But the, anyone who's just interested in cars won't necessarily give a flying flip about. Okay? 
It's nothing to do with it being good design or good taste or any of these things. I mean, people go, ooh, grill's a bit much. And that's about as much as it goes. So I was chatting to the, the, the chap across the road from me. He drives an Audi S3. And he's interested in cars. His friends have M4s and stuff. And I was talking about it. And I said, no. And he said, no, I think it looks really good. This is a, a good-looking car. And everyone came over. All the people in the street who comment on press cars said, oh, I like that. I really like that. That's really nice. So people with enough of an interest went, I like that. Mm-hmm. And he said, what do you think? And I said, well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm divided. He said, oh, how come? I said, well, there's the front. And everybody focuses on the front. And, and that's fine. If you like the front, you like the front. If you don't like the front, you don't like the front. And near the twain shall meet, it doesn't really matter. You know, if you don't like the looks of it, you're not going to buy it anyway. So who cares? Frankly. Yeah. And I said, so moving past that, I said, what annoys me is things like some of the really nice things about BMWs, which have been there since the year dot since before my dad started buying bmws quite some significant time ago multiple decades and i said you know stuff like there's no hofmeister kink the hofmeister kink has been forgotten there's this kind of smushy bit you know what's a hofmeister kink i said well if you look at any other bmw you see the way the back window comes down and then there's that sort of rounded bit which sort of cuts off away from the apex and then comes back again so it reverses on itself like a hockey stick so that's hofmeister kink Every other BMW has it. And it's just a one of those things that goes with BMW glasses. And he went, all right. It was like, but you don't care, do you? He said, no, I don't really. Hmm. So we've got to remember that, car nerds. Fellow car nerds, because you must be if you're listening to this. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's an affliction that we all share. But yeah, so looks-wise... People either will go, I like it, or go, I don't like it, and it'll end there. People seem to. People do. As long as enough people do like it, what we think... Doesn't matter. Because the looks are are always a subjective thing anyway. Exactly, exactly. So so the other thing was all this blackness, by the way. The thing is, it, it did grow on me during the week. And I spent quite a lot of time on the BMW configurator trying out other colours. Mm-hmm. Because... Were one to choose one, or it'd be in a position to choose one, one would not choose black for various reasons. What well, first of all being that it always looks dirty. And I tried and there is quite a nice sort of dark grey, which if you went for the dark grey with a shadow line pack, it would actually look quite nice. Mm-hmm. If you could get the shadow the dark shadow line without necessarily having to have the black wheels, then that would be even better. But you can't. Uh, but we'll come to some of that a little bit later on. Anyway, we've uh, steered ourselves across into the world of the exterior before finishing off the details section. So just to to cover that off, uh, this car, uh, with its with its leather and its uh, its metallic paint, black metallic paints were included in the in the top line, would cost you fifty two thousand one hundred pounds. On top of that, this car had. The visibility pack, and I'll go into these in detail when we hit technology, if not before. The visibility pack, £1,500. The technology plus pack for £3,650. The That shadow line plus with the black wheels, £500. The comfort plus pack for £1,950. And the piano black BMW individual interior 
for £500 on top of that, bringing us to an on-the-road total purchase price of £61,105. Okay. It's quite a lot of money. Yes, let's judge whether we feel that's value for money by the end. Well, yes. Yes, well, 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 well quite. Because that seems quite a lot, but then... The 4 Series is quite a way up, and if you're at the top end of that se- mm-hmm. that range... And you are, then that's that. I mean, it is still £7,000, £9,000 cheaper... Uh, oh, sorry, um, better value than an M4, for example. Uh, it comes in significantly less than a friend of ours who was driving an M2 Competition. Mm-hmm at the same time as I had this and it was coming in at, it came in at £82,000 and it didn't have the same optioning as this did so it's actually not it's not that awful it, it sounds like lots of money and that tended to be where people went oh that's a lot and it's like yeah but really you're at the very top uh, of a range and I've just gone through stuff there we'll do it in more de- I'll do it in more detail when we come to the different sections but it was rather well specified mm-hmm We'll talk about another press car at some point in the near future. It came in at £24,000. So I know that's half of this, but it was, you could argue that it was less than half the car. It, I don't think it's that atrocious. We'll go through and you, I'll try and explain why uh, as we go along, though. Okay. Uh, so what have we covered from the outside? According to my notes here, the styling is divisive. The test car was black and black and black and black and black. And in this spec, you don't care too much about the grill or the many scoops in the front bumper are some really nice things i am always a sucker for a car with pillarless front doors by the way (laughs) pillarless doors are good and that's one of the nice things uh, that the four series previous generation as well has are are those pillarless front doors and that just always makes it a little bit it sounds silly but a little bit of theater when you pull the handle and it goes uh, and you open it so that is always nice uh those led lights that are part of the visibility pack. In fact, uh, they are BMW laser lights, according to the name, uh, 5AZ on your option pack. They come with a high beam assistant, and they look really good because they've got these little blue bits in them. Okay. So they've got these little blue highlights, which kind of just stood out against the black and just looked really, really smart. It's worth mentioning, no wacky spoilers or anything stuck onto this one other than a very small tail lip. So nothing sticky on, sticky out, or anything like that. Quite a lot of, of, of grill space on the front, and I don't just mean the two in the middle that, everyone, that, that we all have an issue with, but to the side and, and the vents. That's because you only really get, the, you only get them in the UK in M or M Sport version. I imagine that on the continent, at some point when I get as far as the continent, I will see SE spec 4 Series, in France, Germany, wherever, uh, which will have a, a bit less of that aggression okay. uh, on there. It's the same size, by the way, it's only two centimetres shorter than the 3 Series on the same wheelbase. The only badging other than the BMW Randalls, by the way, was quite nicely greyed out on this one, so it was there. It wasn't, amazingly, it wasn't black. Uh, it was <laughs> a, a sort of uh, graphite, dark graphite grey, and it looked really quite, quite smart. One last thing was that everybody makes fun of the, the, the grill and comments on the grill and has an opinion on the grill. One thing I will say about it is that it, what it doesn't have is just straight up and down vertical veins on it. It has a sort of pseudo 
a weld mesh type effect uh, on it, which, you know, you might like it. But what it does mean is it's going to be really hard for people to put those three fins in the 3M colors uh, on the front of it. So there is a positive from the new grill on the 4 Series. It's going to be very difficult for the third owners to stick uh, their, their sort of red, blue, and purple on the front of it. Yay! Positive! <laughs> okay, take us to the interior then, because maybe some of us have seen too much of the outside. Well, right, okay. I'm presuming this is going to be a lot less divisive. <laughs> it should be far less divisive, to be perfectly honest. The interior is a nice place to be. Okay. That's it. That's the takeaway from this. It is a nice place to be. But as ever, let's start at the back. So it is a large boot. It's over 400 litres. I was going to say from memory, but I am actually trying to look at my spec sheet here. Uh, yeah, 440 litres in the back. It picks a regular size boot. It's not particularly deep, and it has no undercroft as well. It's worth mentioning that. BMW seem to have done away with, with having any sort of useful space. Uh, under the sort of obvious boot floor, certainly in three, in threes and fives, uh, anyway. Uh, netted off pockets, both sides at the back. Normally, you only get one of those. The other netted pocket is part of the Comfort Plus pack. Oh, you're kidding! That that's a no. Nope. Oh my word! I can see that I'm possibly going to get cross. You might well do because also the Comfort Plus pack. Uh, amongst the many other things it has, is the only way to get a 12-volt socket in the boot as well. The Comfort Plus pack, as a reminder, is £1,950. So, yes, boot. Large, regularly spaced. You normally only get one pocket unless you spend an awful lot more money. It's got two curry hooks. Yes, they're part of the Comfort Plus pack, which comes in at £1,950, Andrew. Otherwise, you get no curry hooks. I'm going to mute myself while I swear a little bit. You brought that one up. I didn't have to. That is... We'll come to the rest of the Comfort Plus pack yep, in a second. Right. But, but, but yes, it is a little bit sort of bend over and get the KY out. Yeah. Uh, shall we move forward from the boot? Yes, please. Let's, let's move it. Make me like... angry somewhere else in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yes, why not? So let's. Uh, so uh, you, what you do get without having to resort to the Comfort Plus pack, is uh, split folding rear seats, and they are forty twenty forty. So you have uh, the two backrests, uh, and you also have a drop down uh, ski hat. Okay. Between the boot and the rear seat, which is which is good. It's really quite practical then. It it is actually incredibly practical, and you uh, you release the back seats from the back of the boot, so you just pull the lever and you go thunk. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and when you put it back up, you just lift it up from inside and in, in the front and just clicks back into place, which is good. Okay. That was all really good. Uh, lots of space there. There's also an armrest uh, in the back between the two, which in turn then you have another little bit that you fold out and you get two cup holders. Back seats. There's actually, you know, I could do the whole I'm sitting behind myself <laughs> type test, uh, even though I have do have wee stubby legs. But um, one of the things about driving this car was that to get comfortable, I ended up in a far more reclined driving position than I would normally choose. But there was still room for me behind me okay. uh, in that situation. Are those quite sculpted seats in the back? They're not as sculpted as you'd think they'd be, to be honest. It is very much a four-seater and not a two-plus-two. Uh, there are only four seatbelts. Mm-hmm. They're not hugely sculpted, partly, I guess, because they have that drop-down backrest. Yeah. Um, the folding back. Okay. But they seem comfortable enough for the 10 minutes I sat back there having a poke at stuff. A bit short on headroom. That's that's the one thing. Um, but 
you know, up to sort of young teenager shouldn't be much of an issue in there, even on a medium journey. The Grand Tourer will fix that, though. Yes, yeah, with its five doors, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you could take adults on short trips. That's a good start. Mm -hmm. Back there, there are useful cubbies on both sides. So under the rear windows, there are there are little cubby holes down the side for keeping a, a phone or a, a, a Nintendo Switch or whatever it is that you want in there. Not big enough for a tablet, though. Okay. But easy place for kids to lose stuff. Good. Result. <laughs> Comfort Plus Pack comes into play again. Because one of the things in that their Comfort Plus pack is also uh, climate control for the rear seats. So uh, well, it's t- climate control and two USB-C sockets on the, the rear of the, of the, the sort of center console. Yep. The rear and center console. So yes, you can adjust your fan and your temperature for back there uh, from that. And there's two USB-C sockets as well for, to, for powering and charging things. Shall we cover the rest of the Comfort Plus pack? Just please get it out of the way. <laughs> so the Comfort Plus pack, and it's nineteen, it's uh, nineteen hundred and fifty pounds. Includes electric front seats with driver memory, front electric front lumbar support, one of those rear side cubbies in the boot, the twelve volt socket in the boot, the two curry hooks in the boot, the map pockets on the back of the front seats, the heated steering wheel, Comfort access on your doors, so you just close them and they go and pull it the last little bitty. The electric boot lid, which includes the uh, infamous, as far as I'm concerned, because I've never made the ruddy thing work in my life, ability to wiggle your foot under it and it will open. Okay, yeah. yeah. As I say, that works about as well as it does in my dad's 5 Series, which is not at all. Those two USB-C ports for the rear passengers and the separate rear ventilation controls for them. Is there anything I missed on that? No. Extended storage is that extra cubby and the map pockets. Hmm anyone wondering what extended story you're actually getting quite a lot i know it's a lot of money but when you break it down to a month by month basis uh for your for your monthly and the amount that it will add uh to your your resale i guess then it it actually doesn't work out as that much for quite a lot of kit i think you could argue some of that should actually just be fitted to the car especially on that price absolutely but But that is a general bmw premium car issue uh, mercedes the lot yeah. you know the, the, this is not a i'm actually trying to say you're getting quite a lot for that much money as opposed to just making fun of it there's a fair chunk of both going on though mm-hmm. if i were buying it if i were buying one i would spec the comfort plus pack okay i would also be annoyed that it wasn't fitted as standard though. Mm. that's the flip side of that one okay those front seats by the way super adjustable uh, with absolutely uh, electric everything. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> electric everything, including bolsters, so you can sort of work out how much you want it to hug you. And the only thing that isn't is was the, the back and forth on the, the headrest, which took me a couple of hours to suss out that there, were, there was a big button on the side. And that means that you don't have to sit with your sort of your many chins, in my case, on your chest uh, to, try and, to try and make yourself comfortable. So, so once I discovered that, all of a sudden I was significantly more comfortable. But I, I had spent some time going, this shouldn't be like this. There's something I'm missing here. It's just not right. Before I, I sorted that out. From the driver's point of view, the dashboard binnacle uh, had the live cockpit professional. That's a screen, basically. It's a funny okay. shaped screen. On that, it is quite configurable. 
speed is always on the left and it shows both as numbers in the same font as the badges by the way which i like and also as a sort of dial going around this sort of weird shaped outer of the binnacle because it's kind of hexagonal this this car has the second most number of hexagons on a press car we've driven uh, <laughs> following on from the hyundai i10 <laughs> i shall add it to the chart of yes if you, cars, if you could, what please. we've tried that are hexagonal that, 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 that has a hexagon theme yes <laughs> number two bmw m440i x drive uh so yes it's a it's a screen so the speed's always on the left on the right hand side is sort of multifunctional uh so it generally shows revs if it doesn't show revs then it, it shows your eco gauge especially if you're in eco pro mode and the center of it can be configured to show all sorts of stuff be it maps directions your economy uh your music even if you're on CarPlay, it will also show you the sort of album art and stuff if you want it to, uh, when it's showing you what it is that you're playing, which is all very nice. Mm-hmm. It's clear to read. To be honest, you could do without the the sort of pseudo-fake arrow line going around the outside because you only ever look at the big digits anyhow. Yeah. But it's really quite configurable. Lots of stuff you can make it do. And obviously, whenever you change modes, then it all changes color. So eco is blue, normal is white, sport red. Goodness, how predictable that is. Yeah. So, but that's the way it is. That's the way of the world. Well, at least it's not confusing then. It isn't really. By sticking with those sort of colors. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, was, it was nice. It worked. It was maybe a little over fussy, which is a shame because, to say my, my father has owned a lot of BMWs and driven a lot of BMWs over the years. And just that, how the clarity of the instruments just seems to have been lost over the last couple of generations, to be perfectly honest. But they're still good. Don't get me wrong. They're still good. They're still readable. They're just not as awesome as they used to be. Mm-hmm. If we look in the middle of the car at the top, there is a screen. It is quite large. I think it's 12, 12 inches or something. Uh, no, can't see it on my notes. Uh, so there's quite a large landscape screen at the very top. It's a touch screen, uh, or you can use iDrive come to that a bit later on below that then there are the vents and the ventilation displays below that there's also the um hazard light button and the intelligent safety button so if you're not aware of this bmw nowadays there is a button in the middle uh if it has a green circle on it it's a little picture of a car if it has a green circle on it all of the various active safety things are engaged and working if it has an amber circle then you've turned off something or some things and if you, I believe if you hold it down. Now, I didn't do this because it's not the done thing to crash the press car. <laughs> it's just not something I do anyway. Uh, if you press it and press it and hold it, then it turns off all of that and your traction control and all that kind of stuff. So that's how you do it with that. Uh, uh, there is a one name for the button and I can't think what it's called. Uh, I did look it up the other day as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's just the intelligent safety button. Pardon me. I did put it in my notes. So, yeah, so that's there. I, I generally drove with, with everything like that turned on. Yep. Under the vent, uh, there's the ventilation controls. Oh, there's a little bit there to show you, you know, how much fan and what your temperatures are, which quite nicely turned from white to red whenever you turned the lights on. So that was harked back a little bit to, to ye olde classic BMW colorings. Below the vents, simple ventilation controls for both sides. You see seat heating, for example. The buttons, was it? And those were buttons. Yeah. Okay. They were nice metal buttons on there and so if you needed to change ventilation you could just do it there good 
there's also buttons for the entertainment as well, power, volume, mode, traffic announcements, and there's some eight memory buttons as well as forwards and back. Okay. Uh, worth mentioning, before we actually get to the technology part, I worked out in this car there were five different ways for me to change track. Oh, okay. When I was listening to things. Would you like to know what they are? I can guess three. Okay, so go on, go on. Give, give me your three and I'll fill in the other two. Obviously the buttons in the centre console. Mm-hmm. On the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Voice. And that is the third one. That's not the one I thought you were going to say third. Uh, third was tapping or just using the iDrive, mm-hmm. which could be counted as two, but I'm counting those as one. The last one was this one had gesture. Oh, is that where you're supposed to wave in front and it gives you haptic feedback, Yeah, apparently? so you could so turn it up and wind your twiddle. Your, so every time you gesture when you're talking to a passenger, it turns the stereo on or up or down. This must be a nightmare in Italy. Yeah, yeah, it's just a nightmare in Scotland. It's that bad. Uh, but no, <laughs> if you did a sort of thumb sideways thing, it would skip. Thumb towards the passenger, it would skip on. Do it the other way, then it would it would skip back. If you turn your fingers clockwise, uh, then it turns the volume up. Anti-clock turns it down. And then if you do some pointy thing towards it, it'll mute it. But I can never get that one to work. Do you think giving this many options to do a thing is a good idea just in general not try and take yourself out of this because i know you'll probably just do it off the steering wheel yeah um i don't think it matters i think in this case it doesn't matter because it's uh none of them contravene another one you know none of the options make the other options worse if the option if one of the options made the other options worse then yes it's just that there's a number of ways you can do this thing. Yeah, just happen. Okay. Good and six don't pay extra for them. Apart from car. Yeah, just stuck on that. <laughs> what's, what's next? So working our way down the, down the console, uh, there is a big squeaky plastic panel, uh, which is part, a significant chunk of that 500 pounds that you're paying for your piano black BMW individual. To have that is a sort of black, shiny plastic which shows up fingerprints rather than a sort of patterned aluminium-y standard choice. Okay. Yeah, you could have wood as well. So there, there we go. Uh, so that covers cup holders, a two of, 12-volt socket, a USB socket, a standard USB socket, and a phone uh, induction charging plate as well. The CarPlay and stuff on this is via Bluetooth, so you don't need to plug in. You can just put your, your phone in there, and it'll charge on the charging plate whilst CarPlay and stuff all works, which is good. Okay. Obviously, moving back towards your, your left elbow, there's the iDrive controls, uh, gear selector, parking sensor buttons, camera view buttons, because it could see cameras down, front, back, sides. Okay. Yeah. Drive mode selector, electronic parking brake. Inside the inside the cubby, there was a tray with another US and another USB port as well, as well, some space for stuff. Okay. So lots of stuff in there. Uh, one thing that's worth mentioning as well is the seatbelts. They did have the M stripe in them. So instead of just being black seatbelts, they had a little purple and blue stripes. Just very, very thin pinstripes. Just like one or two widths of stitching in each one, which was a really nice little thing. Oh, one last bit, which I almost forgot about, actually, about seatbelts is that whenever you get in, you sit down, you close the door, and because it's a coupe, it's quite long doors. It's, it's awfully difficult to reach all the way back there. Okay. So this little arm goes out. Uh, so yeah, you yeah. can then go, yeah. seatbelt on, and then go back. It was 
I don't know how the longevity of those. It was a little bit sort of slow and shaky and a bit bouncy because it's just plastic rather than being metal, which is sprayed to look like. So oh. it's... um. So, yeah, so I don't know if, you know, third owner is still going to have working ones of those. But it's, it's kind of cool. It's like, oh, my, thank you very much, my good man. And then you can put them on. Seems an odd place to penny pinch. Well, if you're going to do it anyway. Yeah, well, there is a big price difference between making sort of metal or aluminium. Yeah, but that, it, but something that's going to be used an awful lot. Yeah, but it's going to make people buy the car, though, isn't it? It's a real surprise and delight feature. You go, oh, that's cool. Mm. It's the certain thing you remember. Yeah, so make it good. Doesn't matter. Make it sell it. That's what matters, Andrew. You're not thinking like salespeople. No, I'm thinking like someone who wants things to work. Yes. <laughs> Foolish me. Yes. Other brands you can buy instead. Yes. So, driving it. Yes, it drove. So, uh, just quickly... <laughs> Just to give you an idea, of course, 374 horsepower, 500 newton meters of torque, eight-speed automatic gearbox, all-wheel drive with a rear wheel bias, electronic limited slip diff, I think. Possibly, I can't see just at the minute. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong. M Sport differential, it says. So, um, probably. Adaptive M suspension on this one as well. Just many, many things. It was... So, obviously, I couldn't take it on a long continental jaunt, which would be the best way to test a car like this. You mean something that probably it's ideally suited for? <laughs> yes. So, I took it to Norfolk instead. I went to the beach. Well, that's long. <laughs> Even well, if you're you see, in Norfolk. It was like... It, well, that's it. It was like, what is the most challenging drive I can subject this to? Which doesn't mean I'm going millions of miles from home. And means there is something pleasant at the end of it. So I went to the beach. Good plan. And I didn't go very far. I only went to Hunstanton. It's only like, was it 50 miles or something as the crow flies? But it, it's... It's about 2,000 as the British person drives. <laughs> just a nightmare. Because if you've never driven out into that part of Norfolk before, it is stretch of road, roundabout. Stretch of road, roundabout. And it might be dual carriageway it might be single carriageway there is no way to tell at any point because it just switches randomly between the two of them so i headed out there on a sun sunday morning i think it was and i thought right that's it i'm just gonna set the adaptive cruise i'm gonna set the lane, lane keeping assist and i'm just gonna let the car do as much of the work as i possibly can because i know that driving out here is horrible uh, so that's what i did and it was really really awesome at it okay Many of those those systems that I was talking about before, the Technology Plus Pack in particular, with the driving assist professional, the head-up display, uh, and lots of other bits and pieces, then it was really, really good at just just being being mostly right, actually. So you could come off a roundabout, you could have your adaptive cruise. The adaptive cruise just had to be on standby. You'd come off a roundabout and she would straighten up the wheel and you'd just press the press the resume button down at the bottom. And whenever you press that, then it would turn it all on. It would know what the speed limit was because it had been looking at the speed limit signs. And it would then just take you up to the speed limit or as close as it could get. Or it would just keep you a, a, a nice distance from the car in front. If you just set it at like two bars, two bars of distance, 
then that was it keeping you about the two-second rule, probably a little bit, smidge more. Mm-hmm. And that was fine. And it would do that. And as you came to the next roundabout, it would slow you right down. It would take you right down to a stop and then move you away again, keeping with the traffic. So much so that you had to remember to tap the brake or press the cancel button on the adaptive cruise before the traffic opened up and the and you, you joined the roundabout. But it was really, really smooth and easy and required minimal thought. Now, obviously, it required constant monitoring and keeping your hands on the steering wheel and all that kind of thing. And, you know, generally my right foot hovered hovered over or near the brake pedal, depending on what was happening. But just really good, really smooth and just nice. The only thing that caught it out is something that I've found catches BMW systems out. And it's a very, very British thing, to be honest. And it's where we have one lane that then splits into two lanes. Okay. And where all of a sudden it's been going up to... Oh, look, I'm nice and happy. I'm in the middle of the lane. This is good. Oh, there is now a white line in front of me. Ah. And then it doesn't know what to do. So you don't know if it's going to tug you left or tug you right to try and get into which which lane. So you did have to keep an eye out for that. That That is a BMW lane assist issue to be perfectly honest if you know it's going to do it then you sort of make sure you're to the one side or to the other side of where you want to go and then it just does it but when it hits it right in the middle it can have a a small moment of panic and you're not quite sure which way it's going to tug the steering wheel how long did it take you to get adjusted to driving in that manner Uh, ah remember i've done hundreds and hundreds of miles in my father's with the same system and the same system okay same system so uh, in this i I knew exactly what i was going to press and how i was going to make it work unfair question right all right so so yeah sorry i had a very good idea of how it was going to how it was going to behave okay all right so that was uh, relaxed cruise by the way doing that it was getting almost 50 to the gallon whilst you're doing that and that's without trying no no particular trying you weren't in eco pro or whatever the heck it's called <laughs> it didn't make that much difference generally because eco pro lets the car coast more obviously there aren't that many hills to coast down in Norfolk. so um so yeah yeah it wasn't of much use just there it can make a big difference and i managed to make it add like eight miles onto my range or something and that was with some judicious use so i, I used I just left it on the way out and then eco-proed on the way, comforted on the way out and eco-proed on the way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it didn't make a huge difference. Uh, not whenever you're sort of letting the car do as much of the driving as possible. Right. Obviously, I tried uh, uh, and I, I drove a little bit more spirited fashion as well, just to make it go. When you are starting off from the line or when you nail it, it goes like a scalded cat. So it is fast. It has fantastic traction. The ride is a little bit on the firm end of comfortable. Okay. But it's not really uncomfortable. If When you put it into sport, the modes are Eco Pro Comfort, and then there's Sport sport Plus and Sport Individual. <laughs> sport work, other, other podcasts say. Sport Individual being the one where you can set it up how you want it, if you turn everything to max, but your suspension to comfort or Beerman mode, as I like to think of it. Then... Uh, Although he would probably have made sure he didn't have to have it these days. Obviously, keeping the suspension in comfort was a good idea here in the UK. Otherwise, the adaptive damping just meant that you were like like a stone skipping across a lake. The trouble is that, you know, obviously you can join together a number of uh, a number of sweeping bends in a very, uh, very happy and satisfying manner. And then you look at the speed down and go, oh, my God. <laughs> 
the trouble with being on it in this car is that you are well above the national speed limit for pretty much anywhere. So it, from that point of view, I much preferred it as a comfy, comfy cruiser as opposed to a crazy twisties road car. So is it fallen foul of the bit of a curse for modern cars that there's too much power? Just too, just too fast, too much power, too much grip, which are terrible things to be complaining about because it was really lovely to drive. It was nice to drive. I say a little bit on the firm side sometimes, but no, it just, just you couldn't. It's the whole thing about it being more fun to drive a slow car fast than a fast car. Well, it was quite fun driving this slowly, to be honest, because I just let the car do it all. And it was like, oh, look at the clever tech. Mm. But you couldn't sort of do all the pressing on stuff because as soon as you went to do, tried to do the pressing on stuff, you were... Yeah, just just not not a good idea from a, a a sort of legal point of view, really. Okay, but nice thing, technology. So this, as you might have guessed, is rather techtastic. The visibility pack gives the high beam assistant and the BMW laser lights. Uh, the technology pack coming in for a mere three thousand six hundred and fifty pounds on this one, ladies and gentlemen. So a small drum roll, please. It gets you the Driving Assistant Professional, which is the system which includes the adaptive cruise control and the uh, sort of active lane keeping assist. One thing it kept on telling me was like, part of this system is disabled. So you press the button to try and find out what the error message was. And it was, oh, we can't, we're not allowed to react to traffic lights in this country. So, okay, great. Show me that once. Don't show me it every ruddy time I turn on the active cruise, please. It's very annoying. Oh, but they're innovators. Very annoying. Am I bothered that you can't watch the traffic lights? No, I'm probably quite relieved. Thank you very much. Uh, this also had Parking Assistant Plus, which, once you press the button and the indicators show which side of the car you wish to push to park on, will help you either reverse into a space or parallel park. It had the head-up display, which you would have thought would have been standard, to be perfectly honest. It was a good head-up display. It was a nice head-up display. It showed sat-nav directions it showed a number of things you could configure uh including obviously your speed and stuff like that i i feel that it's a bit penny pinchy well if they're not fitting a single two inch net and a couple of curry hooks to the boot i'm surprised anything else is not a very expensive optional extra well this is very true the Car Harman Kardon surround sound system, though, is fantastic. That's part of this pack. Uh, it's excellent. If you want to know more about Harman sound systems, then uh, I did a whole special edition on it a little over a year ago. It also came with a BMW drive recorder. Now, this I could not get to work. So I thought that this was a way of having, ha it's like having a dash cam. I can record snippets of fun driving and roundabouts. What it actually seems to be is an incident recorder, so it will record if you're in a crash, it will keep, or something happens, it will keep 20 seconds before and 20 seconds after automatically. Alternatively, when you are parked, then it will be like Tesla sentry mode, and if something nudges the car, if the alarm goes or something, it will record 20 seconds before the incident, 20 seconds after the incident as well. I also got the enhanced Bluetooth and the wireless charging were part of this, uh, of this pack. Oh, as were uh, gesture control and the fact that you could, I believe, use it as a Wi-Fi hotspot, which I didn't do. So, yes, lots of tech there. Have I covered all the techie things off here? I believe I have now covered all of the options. Wow. What would you, what would you get the tech pack? Tech plus pack, sorry. It's got that driving assistant professional in there, and that was really good. 
So that's your lane keeping assist, your yeah. Well, no, the lane keeping assist I think it comes with, but the adaptive cruise and all that stuff. And that Harman Kardon stereo was good. I, I, I might just go for the tech pack and not the technology plus pack. Okay. Please don't ask me what the price difference is on that. I'd have to go off and hit up the configurator for it. So, so yeah, I maybe wouldn't choose that plus pack. I think that that's, that's sort of really starting to add quite a lot uh, there. Obviously, uh, the entertainment system with CarPlay, Android Auto, as well, uh, as well as being the full-on um, iDrive system, which was a pleasure to use. Had that really, really silly thing, though, which is that you can write on the top of the, the iDrive controller as one of the ways of entering things. It's great if, like you, you're cack-handed. You mean you are one of the righteous few? No, one of the leftious few. Uh, <laughs> uh, or if you uh, drive on the left-hand side of the car, in which case, obviously, your right hand is above it, and you can actually write characters. Given that I'm someone who really, judging by my handwriting, should have been a doctor, then that plus my left hand uh, means that that is a completely pointless way of entering uh, information. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, um, rounding up. So, rah. So, um, things I don't like. The looks, and that's very personal. And also the image, and again, that's very personal. It is, however, a very nice place to be. It is incredibly economical, believe it or not. Um, and it goes as fast as you should ever need in a straight line, and faster probably than you need cross-country, or certainly faster than is sane uh, before it becomes actively enjoyable, as opposed to, ooh, this is quite nippy, and getting from A to B quite quickly. Ultimately, I have trouble trying to work out who the market is for this car. Mm-hmm. For 60 grand, for 50 to 60 grand, I would either buy a proper sports car or a proper saloon. This is kind of neither. Yeah. It's a nice GT car. Obviously, I own the Infiniti G37S, which is pretty much... Because I, I spent... First day, it took until the second day, when I thought, this feels awfully familiar somehow. And that's what it was like. It was like my Infiniti. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, similarly rapid, uh, similar power, uh, and, and, you know, that sort of fast GT coupe... But would you, but you know, there's so many compromises there. You're almost as well buying a saloon uh, or buying a sports car, depending on what you really want out of it. I mean, the only competition really comes from Mercedes or from Audi because the Lexus RC is only really available with RCF these days. That was my left field option. Um, and of course, Genesis aren't bringing any coupe yet. So if you basically down to the three German brands for this, if you want. Fast coupe, it's a very good fast coupe to have. Uh, I just feel that if I wanted less cross country and more fast, I'd go practical. I'd go for a saloon. If I wanted more fun, possibly at lower speeds, then I would buy buy a sports car. I would be I would be uh, queuing up to buy myself a Boxster or a Cayman mm. in that kind of price range. It's absolutely down to me. But no, no, was that was that. Uh, thanks so much, by the way, to uh, Middle Group of Motoring Writers and Mark Slack for arranging uh, the loan of that as part of the, the sort of loan fleet uh, that the, the, the Middle Group has uh, just the minute. Yep, thank you very much for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it for this time, but don't forget, between now and the next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts or show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com. 
the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Wintering, you should find me there. And Alan, if people think that somehow you have not covered everything to do with the 440i... How? I, I don't, I'm not so sure, but you never know. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you personally? As always, the best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, we'll be back before very long. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.